All right, we're continuing our journey through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I do hope you were in Bible class because this is a wonderful passage that goes all the way through the end of chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. We're going to read the first part and uh, look at one particular concept within this passage. But like I said, I hope that you got a fuller exposition a little bit earlier. If you didn't, uh, make plans on coming to class next week at 945 and uh, be a part of that. Uh, Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the Word of God. Paul writes, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, this morning we're going to start out with some pictures which leads me to apologize to our internet listeners. Occasionally I show visuals during the sermon and I get responses, well, I didn't know what you were talking about. So we'll try to verbally paint the picture along the way as well. Ready? Here we go. Tell me something about that person. Anything. It's a fireman, all right? But by looking at that picture, you know even more about that person. Tell me some of the things you know about this person just by looking at that picture. You don't know their name, never seen them before, but what else do you know about this person? He's courageous. All right, we think of that with firefighters, don't we? More and more, especially in these last couple of decades, those in the military, those who serve our communities, we recognize their heroism. We recognize that these are people, men and women, who are courageous. Anything else that comes to your mind about this person? Training, okay, highly trained person as well. One other thought that comes to my mind that's connected to firefighters is that they love children. Now, I don't know if that's true across the board, but I think of that because uh, the the little children love to go to the fire station. I always enjoy, sometimes they bring a fire truck out here for our little people. for our sunshine school, sorry, wrong school, sunshine school. And I love to watch the little kids go out and the firefighters all have their gear on and everything. It's just a a marvelous thing. So even though we don't know this particular man, we kind of feel like we know him, don't we? All right, tell me something about this man. Well, obviously he's a doctor, right? So by saying he's a doctor, what else do you think or feel or know about him? Okay, very smart. He didn't get into medical school unless he's highly intelligent, did he? All right. What else about him? A lot of debt. A lot of debt. Okay. Well, now this guy looks like he's been practicing a while. 
So I don't know. Doctors, what do y'all think? Do you think he's gotten out of debt yet? Okay. <laughs> All right. Someone who cares about other people. Uh, and once again, especially with, in light of what's going on in the world, we're recognizing that oftentimes our medical personnel put their lives on the line as well uh, in order to care for others. So even though you don't know this particular man, you feel like you know quite a bit about him just by looking at him and seeing who he is by the way he's dressed. Tell me who these folks are. They're farmers, that's right. Now, I know the field kind of gives them away, but they're kind of dressed like a farm couple, too. What do you think about them? Tell me something else about them. Hard workers. Isn't it amazing how some of the same things are coming out as came out in first service? Anything else about this farm couple that you just know? What's that? Early risers, okay. They get up early. They don't sleep in, do they? I can tell you one thing about that woman right there. She is a wonderful cook. I have never been to a visit a farm and eaten in a farmhouse that the food was not just fantastic. So once again, just by looking at them, their appearance, we know some things about these folks. Tell me something about this woman. She's smart, okay. Professional. She's a professional of some kind, isn't she? First service guest, a lawyer. I don't know, but she looks like some kind of businesswoman. Uh, does she look successful? Yeah. Does she appear to be confident and probably very competent as well? And we can tell all that just by the way she presents herself, by what she's wearing. Tell me about who these people are. Teenagers, I heard. College students. All right. Okay, they're, they're, they're kind of dressed, the older teens, college students, all right? Tell me something else about them. Just how, what do you think about them by looking at that picture? They're friends. <laughs> they're friends, okay? They seem to really be enjoying each other, don't they? Anything else? They live at home. <laughs> no, they're smiling. <laughs> I, I think they've moved out, <laughs> all right? You kind of kind of capture, if we had a picture of their parents, they would be smiling too. They? They, they, this is this age where you know, they're, they're breaking out, they're growing up, they're being treated more like adults, they're getting more freedoms and everything, just a good time in life. Okay, teenagers. Our, our first service, we didn't have many teenagers here, and they couldn't identify this girl. What's that? Emo? Okay, I didn't think emo. Uh, Y'all know what emo is back there? All right. Well, go find out. (laughs) Skater. See the shoes? See the hat? All right. Okay. Uh, What do you think about when you see a skater? Uh, She's she's a skater. (laughs) Any any feelings? Uh, Kind of free spirit. All right. Doesn't always live by all the rules. Kind of just hang loose type person. All right. Uh, One thing I think of when I see a skater, too, is how athletic most of these people are. I've sat and watched some of them. Some of them aren't. Well, the ones I've seen are. I mean, if they can ride the skateboard, that's good with me. (laughs) That's athletic to me. But I see them doing all these flips and everything like that. It's just amazing to me. So I I think of people with quite a bit of coordination and athletic ability. All right, goth. We all get that one. Even if we don't know what a goth is, right? 
We know that, that that's what that is. And I don't know, you may have friends that are goths, and so you, have, you, you may have a little more understanding of what this uh, is all about. Most of us rarely encounter anyone dressed like this, and when we do, we try to be nice, but we kind of, you know, think they're a little different from us and got kind of a different agenda, or there's something going on there. But the way they present themselves definitely makes a statement, doesn't it? And we've got a label that we hang on them when we see someone dressed like this. Now, all of this makes me think, how do people know that we're Christians? When they see us walking down the street or we come into a room, is there something about the way we dress or present ourselves that would immediately identify us as a Christian? If someone sees us, that person looks like a Christian. Well, I was thinking about that, so I went to my computer and I binged Christian attire, I think, or what Christians wear or something like that. I can't remember the exact phrase I put into the computer. The first thing that popped up was this. (laughs) And no, that is not Michael O'Brien, okay? (laughs) I thought, well... That's interesting. (laughs) All right. So went on down a few more pictures, and this one came up. Do you ever watch television? You know, to some people that maybe don't live in a highly Christian society, this may be the image of the way Christians look with the hair and the makeup and the wide lapels and you know, that's just kind of the way Christians do. Other people kind of have more this impression. <laughs> Not so much the dress, but the stern look. And then one other picture I found that I thought, well, that seems a little more in line, is, was a Christian praise service. And there the people are fairly informal. And, and these days that seems to be more the case of, of Christians as, as kind of just blending in dress-wise. For, you know, I, if, if it weren't for uh, Brian Mahon, I'd be the only one in a suit on Sunday morning. So thank you, Brian. Appreciate that. Uh, anyway... Th- that's where it, so you may be thinking, well, now, the way we dress really doesn't have anything to do with our Christianity. Well, if you're thinking that, you're wrong. The Apostle Paul says it does, that the way we dress really does have an impact on the way other people perceive us. So what is the proper dress for a Christian? Well, Paul's going to answer that question in our passage, Ephesians chapter 4, Verses 17 through 32. Now, I have to warn you that as Paul is writing this, I can't always read his mind, but I'm pretty sure I can read his mind on this one, that he had a particular image in mind whenever he wrote this passage. As he was thinking, what is it that Christians look like? What do they wear? The image that he was thinking of, I know, even though he doesn't tell me, is the image of of baptism. Because back then, whenever they baptized somebody, the person came to be baptized with old clothes, clothes that perhaps were worn worn out somewhat, clothes that had been dirtied from uh, days and days of activity. They wore their old clothes to be baptized. But before they were baptized, they took those old clothes off. Then they were baptized, and after they were baptized, 
they were given new clothes. And they put their brand new, lily white, beautiful, shining new clothes on. And to them, that was an image for what had happened. That they had gotten rid of what they had once worn and what they had once been. And now they had put on new clothes to present themselves to God and to the world. So that's the image that Paul is thinking of whenever he writes this passage, that Christians are people who have changed their clothing. They've gone in and changed clothes. Well, he goes on to talk about what is it that they took off. And he kind of summarizes all of that up in the phrase, the old self. What Christians take off whenever they're baptized, whenever they become Christians, is the way they used to be, their old way of living. Now he goes ahead and defines that a little bit. He says it's a corrupt self, one that's gotten kind of rotten and is not working and it's, you know, it needs to be gotten rid of. And then he goes ahead and throws out this marvelous phrase. It's the way of living in which we are deceived by our own desires. Now, that's a phrase that we've got to stop and look at just for a moment. Because people who live without having put Christ on, people who live by their own, in their old self, according to Paul, are people that let their own desires, their own agenda, pretty much decide who they're going to be and what they're going to be. We've talked about this in lots of ways because, after all, it appears so often in Scripture that whenever we become the authority for our lives, whenever the question we ask is, what do I want or what do I think that I ought to do, who do I think I ought to be, whenever that is the ultimate source and we're kind of running the show ourselves, then that is the major problem. Paul says our old self was like that, that we pretty much did things the way we wanted to do them. We would step back, we would make a judgment and say, okay, here's who I want to be, this is the way I want to act, this is what I want to do, therefore I will do it. Paul says, watch out, because that can deceive you. Now, Paul didn't get this idea on his own. As I read that, it occurred to me, you know, there's a lot of proverbs that say that same thing. Y'all know the book of Proverbs. Many people always, when I ask people, what's your favorite book of the Bible? I always get someone saying it's Proverbs. Because Proverbs are these collections of, of sayings that, that, that are wise sayings that help steer us in, in the right path in many ways. Well, in the book of Proverbs, there are several of those that say basically this same thing. Proverbs 14, verse 12. See if this is not what Paul is talking about. There is a way that seems right to a person, but the end is the way to death. That whenever we become our own authority of deciding what's the best way to live life, then here the writer of the Proverbs, perhaps Solomon, is saying, you know, if that's what you do, you're going to find a way that looks pretty good to you. And you're not going to find out till you get way down that road that that was the wrong way to go that the end of that road is death. Now, as if that's not enough to say it once, there's another proverb that says basically the same thing, worded a little bit differently. Sometimes there is a way that seems to be right, but in the end, 
It is the way to death. And it's kind of scary to think of that if I just am going to make up my mind based on what I think, I can get fooled. I can be fooled into thinking that something is good when it's not, when its end is death. Proverbs 21.2 says, All deeds are right in the sight of the doer, but the Lord weighs the heart. So this proverb begins to bring the Lord into the picture. You know, we can make up our mind and pretty much we defend what we decide. You know, whatever we decide, well, that was obviously the way to go. We can list all the reasons why we did. But where was the Lord in this whole process? If we truly have a Lord that is supposed to be guiding our steps and that we consult as we make our decisions, then where does he fit in? One more proverb and we'll leave these. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says all this in a more positive way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So, that's what Paul is talking about when he says, watch out. You need to take that old self that pretty much runs its own show and set it aside. Take those clothes off and lay them down. Well, what are we supposed to put on then? Well, we're supposed to put on the new self. Well, what is the new self? Well, he goes on to say it's created in the image of God. Now, the word image isn't there, but it's, it's, it's there all around. He says it is in the likeness of God. It is like God. God becomes our touchstone. He becomes the one that we use to decide what is good, what is evil. One of our teenagers asked me that question. I won't identify you. Just last week, how do we decide what's good and evil? Well, it's all about God, who he is. What does he say is good? What does he say is evil? And he tells us what's good and evil based on who he is, what he does and what he won't do. Then that determines what's good and evil. Well, our new self seeks to once again claim that image and wrap ourselves in that image that we really do care about what God says is right and about what God says is wrong. He goes on to say then, it's a life of righteousness and holiness. So those in broad strokes are what he says. You've got to take off that old self, put on your new self. But you know, Paul, he keeps talking he gets more specific. And we want to look at some of the specifics as we close out. What are some of the things that are a part of an old self? What are some of the things that are a part of the new self? What old clothes do I need to finally throw away and not keep stuffing back in the closet and putting them on sometimes? And what new clothes do I need to make sure that I wear every day? Now, before we look at this list, let me tell you that Paul, when he gives this list, is giving it with the assumption that this is something we can do. That this, these are decisions that we can make. We can no longer claim, well, I couldn't help myself. You know, it just kind of, that's who I am. Paul says, no, you can change that. If you see any of these old clothes in your closet, you can throw them away. And if you're not wearing some of these new clothes, you can put them on. It's a matter of just deciding I can do that because we have that ability. Okay, first of all, let's look at the list. He says, take these things off. Throw these things away. Now, warning, this is not a complete list. I don't know why Paul chose this exact list, except perhaps that if he knew any church, he knew the church in Ephesus best. 
He had spent more time with these people than he did any other church that he worked with. So as he was writing this, he knew some people. He knew some of the things going on in the church, and perhaps he chose out some of the things that he felt like they needed to hear the most. These may be the things we need to hear the most, or there may be other ones, but let's look at his list anyway and go ahead. One thing is lying. He says, when you open your mouth, don't tell a lie. There is no sense at all in ever saying something that is not true. That is just old clothing that you need to get rid of. People need to be able to trust you that whenever you say something, it is accurate. Letting anger control you. Now, he admits that we're all going to get angry. In fact, in just a moment as we look, he even gives us a time limit that we can be angry. That's human. For something to happen that really makes us angry, and really there are some things that should make us angry, but sometimes we get angry about things that don't really matter, but he says you can't be controlled by your anger. You can't make decisions out of your anger. And he goes on to say, I didn't put it on the list, but that gives the the devil opportunity in your life. Anger is a toxic environment. Anger causes things to happen inside of you that just things that come out of your mouth actions that you do when they're motivated by anger are never good nothing good ever comes from an angry person and so Paul says take that off and throw it away you don't have to wear that anymore now that's a little different sometimes we say well you know I can't help it if I get angry well Paul said that too but he said you don't need to wear it around You can do something about it. There are things you can do about your anger. We even teach a class here called anger management, don't we? Admitting that there's anger out there. There are things to be angry about. But we've got to be determined that we will deal with those in some kind of healthy and constructive way. Okay, it goes on to say, stealing. Well, that makes sense. Don't take anything. That doesn't doesn't mean just don't go to Walmart and shoplift. But there's lots of different ways that sometimes we steal from other people. And that's not supposed to be a part of our clothing. Foul talk. Now, I know I'm not going to give you the list of words, but there are certain words that should really never be in the mouth of a Christian. But also foul talk is just useless talk. Foul talk is talk about trivialities or gossip or things that are not helpful at all. He goes on to say that he throws out a whole bunch all at once. Bitterness. And to be honest, out of all this list, that's the one that kind of grabs my heart because I've known a lot of bitter people. And it is so frustrating when people will wear their bitterness day after day, when things have just not gone well in their lives and they're angry about that, they're upset about that, they can't see any other blessings in their lives because this has happened and this has happened and this has happened. And uh, I know we're touching into some deep things there and that sometimes it takes a lot of work to root out bitterness in our life, but we can't let bitterness control and waste this wonderful gift of life that we have. Bitterness, passion is out of control passion. Again, letting desires just drive you rather than having some kind of moral center, which is God himself. Temper? Mm -mm. Have you ever been sorry for what you said? Just in a moment. Got to take that kind of snap temper and throw it away. Screaming. Now, I I can't remember. You may be looking at your Bible, and there's another word. I can't remember how this word is translated in most of the versions. But this is the literal word that Paul said. 
And uh, I thought it was interesting because I had put all this stuff into the computer. And Pat and I took a trip yesterday to go to our uh, little granddaughter's first birthday. It was wonderful. Check out Facebook. Uh, (laughs) uh, It was a breakfast at Tiffany party, and she had her little black black dress and pearls on. And uh, she was quite the hostess. But anyway, I digress. (laughs) On the way, we stopped at a convenience store, and a woman got out of the car next to us with four kids, and she screamed the whole time. And I was thinking, wow, yeah, what a life for her and what a life for those kids. That is something that just doesn't have to happen. It can be different. That can be taken off and thrown away. Slander. You know what the, what the actual word in Greek is for slander? Blasphemy. Sometimes we think, well, it doesn't matter if I just say a few negative things about people. The Bible calls that blasphemy. You can blaspheme God, you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you can blaspheme your friends, your neighbors, and your family as well by constantly saying things about them that are unhelpful. Well, those are the old clothes. Throw those away. What are we going to put on? What are some new clothes we need to make sure we have in the closet that we get out every day that we wear? We speak the truth. The truth is what should be spoken. And whatever is accurate and right is what we should say. After all, Paul says, we all belong to each other. It's not helpful to lie to yourself. That causes a lot of problems. So don't lie to each other either. He says, deal with your anger quickly. Does anyone know the time limit that Paul gives you for your anger? Till the sun goes down. That's right. And just plan, okay, by the time the sun goes down, I'm going to have figured out a way to deal with this. And I'm going to put this rage or this, this emotion aside and deal with this in a positive way. All right. Not, you shouldn't steal, but you should work so that you can share. That's a marvelous little phrase there, that we should work so we can share with those in need. You know, we work, why? First of all, to support ourselves. We work to support our families. But especially in this country, we end up with more than we need for our families and for ourselves. And why do we continue working? Why do we continue to be productive after that, after we've met our own needs? Not wants, needs. (laughs) We work so that we have something to give to others who have nothing. That's the motivation for continuing to be hardworking, productive people. Not just so that we can have more, though that we can take care of ourselves, take care of those who are our own, and then have something left that we can give to others. We don't speak foully, we speak encouragement and grace. Uh, In a moment, I'm going to ask you to choose one, and this is the one I always choose, because I want this so much, that when people have a conversation with me, they leave that conversation encouraged. They leave that conversation better off than they were before, either just in a small way, just it's a better day, that someone really cares That your words give grace to others. You know, God has given us such an entire measure of grace that we can't comprehend the grace that God has given us. Do we pass that grace on to others? That when they leave after visiting with us, they feel like there is someone that cares and loves and is concerned. And finally, he throws out some at the end, kindness, tenderness, And forgiveness, which he links that we forgive because Christ has forgiven us. And those are the greats. Choose one. Is there anything on that list that you've been putting on that you need to throw away? Is there anything on the put-on list that perhaps you need to wear more? 
and to wear every day. I'm really asking you, I'm not asking you to walk down to the front, anything like that. I'm asking you to pick one thing on that list to either throw away or to put on. You got it? Let's pray. Father, you hear all of us right now. You know what's going on in our hearts. Father, I pray that there are those in this room that are actually making these choices. And Father, you know that. And as we make these choices of ways we want to change our wardrobe, who we are and what we are, we pray your blessings on each one. We pray your blessings on each one of us that this resolve can be realized, that uh, the rest of this day, uh, tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, that we will carry in our hearts the resolve to change something about our behavior that makes us more like you. Father, we pray that you will give us your Holy Spirit to do this, that you will give us the strength to do this, that you will give us the will to do this. We pray all this through Jesus. Amen. One more verse before we close. Right in the middle of all of this, Paul says a marvelous thing. It's usually translated, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. I found a translation I liked even better. Do not break the Holy Spirit's heart. The Holy Spirit lives within you. And God asks you that every day you put the proper clothing on that spirit as you carry that spirit throughout this world. May we truly do this. Let's be standing, please, as we